0: what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of met's talk this is episode four i'm your host lewis here with my co-host colin farmer that's me back in the uh, passenger seat once again
1: And in- i like to think of it as a co-pilot <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: well what, what what is a passenger seat how's that different than a co-pilot
1: well the passenger have controls that's true unless you're in one of those sort of driving school cars Oh, okay. Well,
0: do you want one of these little boards too? Would that make you feel better? Yeah, it doesn't need
1: to do anything. You don't have to plug it in. (laughs) A dummy board. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just Just so so I feel like I'm doing something. (laughs)
0: Exactly. We're back here to talk about smart home and Internet of Things. So again, we like to give it a nice broad topic, but really hone it in to things that we use on a regular basis so we can make it a little bit more personal than just generically speaking smart home. We could do hours and hours on generics, but we like to talk in depth here on the pod. So we're going to do a new segment here on the pod where we're just going to do some quick hitting news. Um, I haven't come up with a catchy name for it yet. (sighs) Mets talk tidbits or something. I don't know. Tech talk tidbits, tech talk tidbits, tech talk tidbits with Mets tech. Mets talk. Mets (laughs) Mets talk. I don't know. We'll come up with a nice name for it, but for now just do some news. So really the big news right now is just that, uh, Elon announced yesterday that they are changing the name of Twitter. It will no longer be Twitter. You can no longer go to Twitter.com. Well, you can for now, but it will just be X. What are they going to do
1: with that domain, you think?
0: Hold on to it, I guess, for when they end up inevitably selling it very soon. So we are now X. <laughs> X.com. And yeah. yesterday when I tried to type in X.com, it gave me a GoDaddy splash page. So, so they hadn't... <laughs> Elon did say it had gone live but when I tried it it did not work They had um, not, bought did not the work domain. for me so yeah. <laughs> they have yet to buy the domain We're so um, it's gonna be X.net all the, the very common things that you'd expect to see people joking about you know sounds like a porn site sure. Um I saw one funny tweet that was like I can't wait for my wife to see my eight dollar charge to X.com <laughs> thought that was pretty good I also saw another tweet that said that because there, there's a very specific reason but X cannot be um, trademarked or copyrighted. Hmm. So like you can't even That's good. like anyone can use That's it. That's what you want out of your <laughs> brand. It's it just it's mind-blowing to me that you would take a brand that is so iconic that tweet is like it's own it's thing. Everyone knows what a tweet is. Everyone knows what Twitter is. Everyone knows where to find things. You switch it to X and you say, "Did you what what is even what is an what do you do on an X? What's your What's the action on X? Well, I, th-
1: I think the idea is you do whatever you want. You, you do anything on X. You post on X. You post on X. So there's no like, it's yeah, just post. It's just that's generic. Yeah. Why do you, what do you think is the reasoning? Why do you think he did that?
0: I have no idea. But I did see the story about how he um, attempted to change the name of PayPal to X.com back in uh, the early if at 2000s. First you don't succeed. Yes. Just try and try again.
1: Whatever brand you have. Tesla was almost X.
0: Yeah. Well,. Tesla has i I'm surprised he didn't make it something even more kind of gimmicky and childish. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. He just called it website. Yeah. Like website.com.
0: Website. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. I, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things. I just feel like he just does it because he can. Yeah. There's not a lot of thought that goes into it. There's not some kind of, you know, brand development or anything like that. They're just doing things to, they're just throwing stuff at the wall because they don't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah. It is what it feels like to me. Yeah. Least. I
1: mean, I, I definitely get that. I mean, you have, big companies that have done a rebrand Meta and Facebook being like the most recent example, but like Facebook does a lot. Like there was at least some reasoning for them to be like, okay, we are more than Facebook. We've we are.
0: Especially Meta. when they bought Instagram. and
1: Yeah. yeah Instagram, Oculus, mm-hmm. like even Facebook as Facebook had the, uh, what was it called? The portal, their smart home device. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they had their own stuff. So it made sense that, Hey, we're, in a bunch of different fields, let's rebrand as a parent company and be meta.
0: And that would be one thing I think if they were rebranding to a parent company, but they yeah, but it's s- not that. Only have Twitter, no, yeah. so maybe they will eventually do that. Maybe this is kind of the start to that. Maybe they'll so- kind of announce some things. But if I had to guess, there's not a lot of thought going into uh,
1: it. No, other than I don't want this to be Twitter anymore.
0: In similar news, after just one week <laughs> of usage, uh, who could have predicted this? Yeah. Threads has seen a massive decline in their user base. And I'm interested to see now that Twitter's making more headlines for doing stupid stuff or x.com. People will be like, "Oh, I got my Threads account. Let's just do Yeah, this exactly. Thing. I'm going to I'm going to take everything over to Threads." This article is from tech.co. Despite over 100 million downloads in its first 5 days, a week after its peak usage, a new report has shown the average time spent on Threads has fallen from 21 minutes to just 6.
1: I really don't think a big transition is going to happen until something like catastrophic happens to Mm -hmm. Twitter and maybe this is
0: it. Yeah. But maybe
1: I don't think people are going to move over all at once of their own volition. They
0: never do. It takes something literally, like you said, some catastrophic shutdown failure. You can't go out of business.
1: Yeah. Something exactly.
0: This kind of ties into what we talked about last week. Uh, Several large tech companies sign an, an agreement, an AI white house agreement. Did you see this at all?
1: i don't think i had this was on it's usa today surprising.
0: no mm-hmm. it's it's not um google amazon microsoft meta and other tech firms agree to ai safeguards set by the white house mm. um so this was voluntary commitments from seven companies meant to ensure their ai products are safe before they release them it I comes mean, after the surge of you know a m- massive commercial investment in uh, generative ai tools that can write human-like text churn out images and media all sorts of things. So yeah, to prob- avoid disinformation spread and things,
1: probably for the best. Obviously, this is a sort of a rough agreement. Now, there's there's nothing. I mean, it's voluntary, first of all. But I mean, because it isn't legislation, there's nothing really particularly binding here, right? So I think it's
0: kind of like a goodwill, like yeah, a handshake exactly, type agreement.
1: But something to start off with sets a framework for how we're going to do this in the future.
0: Oh, this you'll love this one. This is I love this one as as true '90s kids. <laughs> yeah transparent tech making a comeback are the early 2000s late 90s back baby
1: i saw they did the the ps5 plates
0: yep dbrand is is dbrand who's making those yeah
1: you got the nothing phone and and Mm -hmm. all of nothing stuff i didn't know about some of these other brands doing it beats is cool
0: yeah steam deck uh transparent backer yep we got some cabling some power bricks that are um transparent it's
1: pretty neat i'm excited to see it i mean at least something different you know like well well (laughs) something different something different from what we have right now yeah Yeah. because i mean right now at least for the past couple years it's been like oh do you want it in white black or brushed aluminum right
0: exactly so that's cool transparent tech sort of making a comeback everything's making a comeback people are wearing bootcut jeans again i don't know man it's, it all comes back around in the end. This one I put last um, because it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about next, which is um, smart home Internet of Things. And this is, again, White House related. Um, they proposed a smart home cybersecurity program. Uh, it says the Biden administration has proposed a new program to combat cyber attacks through smart home devices, amid growing concerns about consumers that have um, that these products allow hackers an access point into the home. Um, recent study conducted by Parks Associates, 72% of smart home product owners are concerned with the security of personal data collected by their devices. On July 18th, White House Briefing Room shared a new cybersecurity certification and labeling program called the U.S. Cyber Trust Mark that will provide certification for devices that meet a higher standard of cybersecurity.
1: That's probably a good idea. I mean, we've had stuff like that in the past for sort of different spheres. You, you've had like Energy Star and UL, uh, certifications of like hey this is something that some other third party has verified that this is all right this is safe to use right. and security is just another part of that safety if you're not you know maybe you're not actually getting injured by the thing but like
0: you gotta have some safeguards in place you gotta yeah, have some absolutely. rules that everyone has to kind of play by and some
1: by. and some guarantee that whatever thing is doing that because it is so easy now to go on to amazon or aliexpress or whatever and buy some weird product definitely that that's super
0: cheap that people want because of that reason.
1: Yep, and it turns out it has a something
0: on it. Yeah, I think we should go ahead and jump in because I think a lot of what we could talk about about that is kind of ties into to some of yeah. the, the downsides of Internet of Things. But uh, let's start here. Let me ask you, and I know the answer, but the audience does not. Do you use any smart home devices?
1: Yeah, I use. Uh, I have two light bulbs.
0: Two, I have a two very, singular light bulbs. Two singular light okay. bulbs.
1: Yeah, I have a very smart home. Yeah. I mean, you could say.
0: That's that's pretty advanced. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I bet it's better than yours.
0: Definitely better than mine. Yeah, what do no you question. what do you have? Which room do you want?
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> we can start with this room because I feel like there's probably, oh, this room? There's probably about a dozen in here.
0: Some of the stuff you guys can't see, but behind my camera, I have a built-in bookshelf and I have a wise Smart camera that's watching us right now. And I have six Hue Play. Um, yeah, Hue, I think those are Hue Plays. I have two Hue Goes behind. Oh, I've met Hugo. <laughs> this light right here is the Eve flare. Really pretty. Sure, I know it's, her too. <laughs> it's wireless. You can lift it up that base. Down here, shining up against our our Metz Tech uh, sign here. I've got some think these are oh shoot what's the name of this brand
1: it's got so many doesn't even remember it's hard
0: it's uh what's the brand um lifex they're lifex um like sticks or they have a special name but they're basically led sticks that you connect together behind uh colin's head i've got some those are nano leaf uh mini triangles and they do little gradients that are really cool uh and then my like hub for everything i've got my ikea smart blinds you might notice we have two of them now
1: oh wow we
0: got the other one i didn't uh, notice so those open automatically um and i've got my Philips hue hub there that controls a lot of stuff so and then the ceiling light is also uh hue that was one thing that we bought when we got the new house because it just had one of those nasty nipple lights in here and then that little remote over there is a separate smart home device that is bluetooth because there is no actual light switch in this room so that controls some of the stuff Wow. So that's this room. That's quite a few. It's just a couple things, yeah. And so all of those are giving off Wi-Fi signals, so we're really just cooking in here. Yeah. I have a lot of smart home devices. Why? I love automation. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about smart home devices. Some people are kind of adverse to to smart homes because they think you can't, if you have a smart home or you have smart light switches or whatever that you lose access to buttons. Right. And that's not true. I like to have physical connection as well as if I need to, if I'm out or if I just don't want to get up out of bed or I'm laying on the couch or I'm uh, outside in the backyard and I want to turn the AC on, turn the heat on, whatever, I want to have connection through my smart device or my computer or whatever to be able to access those things i want both options and really you can only have both options if you have a smart home yeah do you have a, a resistance to smart home tech or do you just not find it as useful for you in your current setup
1: i don't mind it as much i'm very much like okay i just need something to do whatever and mm-hmm. i will adjust to it so like the lights that i have come on at sunset and yep. i just turn I them off of those, when i go yeah. to bed. And that's really all I need them to do in terms of other things. Like it might be nice to have an automatic thermostat, but a thermostat is also one of those things that you could like generally set and then turn off and on as you need yes. to. Um, it would be nice for when I'm not at home to check on things, but I can also just do it before I leave. Like it, it isn't to the point of convenience for me that it's something that I need. Like it's not anything I'm particularly resistant against. I do think there are probably still some securities concerns about it, but as we've talked about before, it's like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, so I'm not I'm not resistant to it, but also I just haven't seen the need.
0: I don't want to make it like. I just because we recently moved into this this right. house, right? No,
1: th- yeah, this is this is a bunch of stuff that you've had. Yes, for a
0: while. this is this has been building. Um, I had a lot of this stuff at our old house. You were an early adopter. I was. We moved a lot of it over, um, and then I've added new stuff here and there. A lot of the stuff that I ended up doing with the new place is adapting some of the actual physical light switches in the house into smart switches. Right. Mainly because my wife. If I just had a switch that was a blank switch and you could only control it through your phone, we would have like actual marriage issues in that regard because (laughs) she is very much not like she's gotten better. I'll give her a lot, I'll give her some credit. She's gotten better with controlling things on her phone and whatever. But if she can't walk over to the kitchen light and tap it and turn the light on and off, she gets frustrated about that. Yeah. So a lot of it is going through the house and figuring out you know, where is this, is this switch a three-way switch or a single pole switch? And then you have to order the, you know, appropriate switch and then you got to install it. Then you got to connect it to the Wi-Fi and connect it to your home and all that kind of stuff. So I did a lot of that for, you know, over the period of months that we were working on the house outside of just the construction and the, you know, changes and things.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that to me seems like the most appealing part is looking at stuff and and doing the, Theory crafting about like, oh, can I have this light do this? And then also all of these things and, and whatever. But I know in practice, I would almost never do any of it.
0: Yeah. And the, the setup can be a real pain in the butt because sometimes things disconnect for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I mean,
1: I've had that experience yeah. with some lights.
0: I'm sure. And then you have to go and you have to reconnect them. And I've had to do that with the switches, the light switches down here a couple of times. When the power goes out completely, sometimes it causes issues with them. It's really usually not that big a deal. It, it's a couple minutes of your time. Um, to get them back going, but that's why it's a little bit more daunting, I think, for some people, and I, I do want to talk about that in just a sec. But I mentioned this on, I think, the first podcast. You're a Google guy, I'm an Apple guy, so we kind of have that that nice dichotomy going, right? The Google versus Apple smart home ecosystem. I have right under this Matter um, mm-hmm. being the game changer, and I think I think it's really almost a disservice if we spent too much time talking about one smart home ecosystem versus another because. Anything that you're going to have going forward almost exclusively is going to include Matter Support and Thread, um, and therefore it doesn't matter. You choose whatever mainstay platform that you prefer, and then everything you buy should work no matter what.
1: The philosophy should be that smart home devices should operate in a very similar way. There should be a standard for how they communicate and how they're managed, and whatever sort of faceplate UI that you want to put on top of that leave that up to the user and that can be your Apple or Google or
0: Alexa or whatever. Exactly. If you guys are unfamiliar matter, it's an open source connectivity standard for smart home and internet of things devices.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. How do you report like what level is a light at or like what commands do you need to send to increase a brightness or decrease a brightness or that sort of thing? It's sort of standardizing all of that. Mm -hmm. Like how is a device named and what sort of, variables apply to that device and that sort of thing.
0: And it was first announced back in 2019. That's why I remember it being so long ago. Mm. A lot of things started to come out with where they, these brands were like, we're going to have matter support. We're going to have thread support, all this kind of stuff. If you want people to
1: buy your smart home product, unless you're like an Apple who is very obsessed with having sort of the closed garden. And even Apple and works. stuff works. So if you want people to use those smart home devices, you need to make them as accessible to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and Matter seems like it's the easiest way to do that.
0: So Google Home, and then you have HomeKit, which mm. is Apple's home yeah. stuff. Um, and then you have uh, Amazon um, has their own I think thing. I think Alexa. It's just is Alexa. It, is it under the Alexa kind of yeah. brand there? Those are kind of like the main you have some other like third party systems that you can you can use uis for and things phil Hue has their own app right They do and, and, and most of these too. most of the brands have their own app right but and you can go in and sometimes you get better more fine tuned controls through the actual app of the company where you might not get all those same features yeah. um, in Apple for example Man. um i have Um, Aqara is a brand that I have a lot of things um, that they make. One of them is we have a little um, panning and tilting camera in our dog's room. So we can watch them and check on them. Um, We have three dogs, obviously. We want to be able to make sure they're good. So anytime we want to check on them, we have the the little camera. Inside of the home app, you can't actually control the camera's functions. Hmm. Even though it's made for HomeKit. Yeah. But if you go in the Aqara app, you can pan and tilt the camera. So... I have to go into the Akara app, pan and tilt it to the exact position. Then I go back to the home app and then you can see from that position, but you can't actually maneuver the camera at all. And I think that's just one of those things like they want you to still go into their app and use it. It's a little bit frustrating. Th- that
1: feels like 10 years from now, probably something that people won't put up with. Yeah. Like that feels no, like, agree. okay, why can't I do this from, and yeah. it, like even though the consumer probably isn't going to think about it, but it's going to be Apple saying, Hey, we've put all this work into doing home We've integrated Matter. We're on the board of Matter as a Mm -hmm. sort of concept. Like, can we get this integrated? Can we do camera controls? Can we do robust sort of lighting controls? Yeah.
0: I feel like I'm dominating a lot of this conversation. but I mean, you
1: you definitely have more to say about in terms of, like, the practical applications and the use of smart home stuff. Like, in terms of a UI. Like, does HomeKit work? As well as you want it to right now?
0: There's some things that I'd really like to see integrated into HomeKit that some third-party apps have. Um, HomeKit is a little bit simplistic, I think, which is, go figure, it's Apple, right? right. They boil things down, typically speaking, to the, the the bare minimum, even on their pro line of things. Yeah. It's not really pro. Um, so HomeKit is similar. I'd like to see them add some more fine-tuning, um, just giving you more information. Even if it's kind of information that they don't, that not everybody uses, at least make it accessible. So like some temperature readings and things like that, you can't see humidity readings, you can't see on third-party sensors, different things like that, that are more easily, more easy to display. Right. But what I think is interesting right now is kind of where the market is trending, Mm -hmm. which is, as you might expect, sensors, sensors, sensors. Everything is that that's coming out. That's new. That's eye catching. That's attention grabbing. Is some type of new sensor. Hmm. You've had your your door, uh, you know, your door sensors. You've had your window sensors. You've had your vibration sensors. You've had your temperature and humidity sensors. But I mean, they have everything now. Like in the laundry room, you know, we had a flooding issue out of our laundry room drain one time. Just caught me completely off guard out of the blue. So I put a little water sensor that has two little contacts on the bottom. It's just a little puck. And I put it right on top of the vent or right on top of the drain. So if it ever does fill back up with water and it makes contact with both of those little points, it sends me a notification.
1: Hey, there's water. Yeah. I mean, in your case, in doing the, the actual liquid water sensor, mm-hmm. like that makes sense because you've had that as an issue. Yeah. But I am curious how many people like pick up these sensors because it's actionable information for them. Like, are you reading the air pressure in mm-hmm. your house? You have a barometer and you're like, uh-oh. It's going to storm in my house. Like, is that something people really
0: use? This is a little bit more of an extreme example, but it's like, it's like giving people access to online charts for medicine. It's like most people are going to, every time you go to the doctor, they're going to put in your chart a new update. And I know this because I go to the doctor a lot. They're going to give you updates and you're going to get a notification. It's going to say, Hey, we put new, new measurements in your chart. Right tell your blood pressure, tell your heart rate, whatever. Am I ever going to go in and be like, what was my blood oxygen when I went to the doctor in October of 2020? It's like, no, I'm probably not. But they're giving you the information... So you have the information and you can do with it what you want. I think the smart home thing is a little bit like that. And I actually do utilize this information sometimes with with temperature sensors. Sure. In a house like this, and and you might even run into this. I know you're in a... uh, It's a pretty old house. Yeah, it's an old house and it's a single level, right? It has multiple levels, but you only have a single level of it. So in ours, it's a a traditional bi-level house. So you've got the upstairs, um, which is like your main floor. You actually walk up some steps and then you're on a flat and then you you have a basement. And this is very typical, but the basement is always significantly colder than the upstairs, right? The upstairs is significantly hotter. And sometimes there's different parts of the house, especially if you're on a single uh, cooler unit that are going to be wildly Vastly, different temperatures. Yeah. And so what I've done is I've gotten really inexpensive little temperature sensors. Just these little pucks, they tell you humidity and temperature, and I have put them in various specific places in the house. And then you can use scripting basically. Apple calls it shortcuts, but really it's scripting. You've got every if, you know, when you've got variables, all kinds of very powerful stuff. Hmm. You can completely script and say, you know, if the temperature in the basement reads at this temperature and the temperature in the bedroom reads at this temperature, set the thermostat to this median temperature. That's going to kind of help regulate or in the instance of, um, like the dogs being in the other room during the winter or both dogs were puppies, like really little puppies. We wanted to make sure that room stayed warm, but it's in the basement. So it's going to be inherently a lot colder, especially in the winter. So I set up a heater connected to a smart plug next to a temperature sensor.
1: And then you just track the temperature.
0: And then it would say, I, I had it scripted that if the temperature dropped below 60 degrees in there, turn the heater on until the temperature rises above 64 degrees. Basically a, it
1: a single room thermostat yes. driving a single room. Correct.
0: Thermostat. Some people might see it as like useless information. And I think for a lot of this stuff, like do I need to know the humidity in my basement at all times? No, I don't. But you can actually perform, you know, action items off of that information if you really want to get in depth with it. Yeah. And so I find myself discovering little situations where, I can take advantage of that information.
1: Yeah, I could, I could see it being really handy. I mean, those examples are great of like why you would want this information as a homeowner.
0: Another thing kind of we're talk- on the line of sensors, um, same brand I was talking about, Acara um, came out with their FP2 presence sensor about three months ago. This sensor is nuts. So it's it's set at like a like 135 degree angle or so. Um, so you put it in a corner. And it can literally, it breaks it down into zones. And so you can go into the app and program or, you know, script things according to these zones. So the guy I was watching, his name's Shane Watley, I think, or Watley. He does a ton of smart home reviews, but he talked about this. And he basically like had it set up in his kitchen. And then he has like smart light bulbs um, over his dining room table. This actually might've been someone else. This might be smart home solver. Uh, I might be blending things together. Anyway, in their kitchen, they have cabinet lights over here and then they have dining room lights over here and then things over here and he's literally like walking from zone to zone and the lights are turning on automatically depending on where he's standing yeah, that, in the I mean room. that's the dream right that that's is, the that's, and it's real like yeah. this is you can buy this thing That's wild. You know how I am. I'm sitting at my computer and I have my finger hovering <laughs> over the purchase button on Amazon. I'm like I want this so bad, but I'm trying to I have to visualize what am I actually going to do with this thing?
1: Well, the thing is it almost begs for like several of them because yes. unless your whole house is doing that, is yes. even worth it.
0: Yeah. If I could have it almost on the ceiling yeah. instead and on the ceiling of every room, and this is one of the things I can't do yet, and it's, it's supposedly coming, but it can't do it yet, is having them all linked together. Yeah. So you could literally like in, in our house, like the, the kitchen and the dining room and the living room are all kind of in one little, you know, walk around. So I would love to have it to where... As I'm walking from room to room, the lights will, you know, fade on. And then as I leave, fade out. Just so if I need to stop and stay in that room for a second, I can do something without having to reach for the light and then reach for this light and do all that kind of stuff. That would be so neat. But I can also see there being times where it's like, oh, this is kind of annoying. I wish the lights would stop doing this. I
1: was thinking about... I mean, we've had motion sensors for lights for a long time and... They're very useful, but the eternal problem is like, okay, well, what if I'm in the room for a while and I'm not moving enough for
0: them? Well, this this is like motion sensors on steroids.
1: I was going to say, it probably
0: has a little bit more to it, but I... That's why it's called the presence sensor. It can literally... De- even if you're sitting on a couch, it can detect micro movements. Yeah, I was going to say, couch.
1: probably just very small sounds or...
0: It works using a different type of technology. Um, it's it's millimeter wave, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, if it works right, it almost eliminates the need to ever touch a physical switch.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was going to be another question is how satisfied are you with how reliable smart home stuff is? Do you think you could right now live without switches
0: right now? Yes. Um, there are two lights in my house that are on, that are just your typical old fashioned flip of a switch lights. If I were to switch those two lights over to, um, Smart switches, which I've wanted to do for a long time. I just haven't gotten around to doing it. Once I switch those two lights over that I use all the time, yes, I could live without switches here.
1: Do you think you could live in like a fully autonomous house?
0: Yes. I could. My wife could not. Right. Using voice assistants for controlling things. So if you... and, And wearables are really great for that actually because you know you can i can talk to my watch and so my, even if i don't have my phone with me at all times i always have my watch on so i can always talk to my watch right. i can just say things out loud because my watch will hear me my smart speaker will hear me my other speaker on the other side of the house will hear me Yeah. whatever the case may be there's some siri device enabled that's going to hear me and be able to react to it now does it get it right every time absolutely not siri kind of sucks but <laughs> when it does get it right it's really nice yeah you know if i say Hey Siri, open the office blinds and we can see if it actually does it. Wow. So, stuff like that is really nice. But to take it a step further, all this can be automated. So, these blinds here could be automated to go down and, and lower by the time of day. Yeah. You know, so in the morning they open all the way up, at midday they're halfway at night they're closed or even a step further, something that I really like is just one single action at the end of the night. So under my nightstand in our room, I have a little gun. <laughs> I have a <laughs> I have a gun. Delete the part about it being under my nightstand. <laughs> Editors
1: note.
0: There's I have a button. Okay. Um I think it's just called like the mini switch or something like that. I think it's I think Akarra makes it. It's just a single button. It has three functions single press, double press, long press. And I have those things programmed. To run specific scripts. So the single press is very basic. It just turns off every light in the house except our bedroom lights, locks every door, and closes these blinds. That's all it does. Single press. Double press checks to see runs a a, like an if statement basically. Checks to see if our bedroom lights are on. And if either of them are on, it turns them off. If they're off, it leaves them off. Very simple. I love not having to like make like the the dad round where you like go to every, you check to see and whatever. you, You set the temperature to a certain thing. You make sure the back porch lights are off. Like everything I've got on a smart switch, either a smart bulb or a smart switch or, you know, blinds here that are powered by a hub or whatever. So just a single button click. I just reach down, just hit it under my nightstand. Everything goes off. I get notifications that all the doors lock. It is just that, that is like the dream. It's so simple. It gets rid of the kind of, did I check the doors? Yeah. Did I turn this light off? Yeah. Did I leave this heater running? Whatever. It it negates all of that. So simple. And, and I'm very novice at scripting. Some of these guys on these channels on YouTube that do like oh, intensive sure smart home stuff, you can get so in-depth. And going back to our conversation last week about uh, AI stuff, you know, you and I talked about how much we prefer having just our day-to-day chores right done automatically and as more and more home care devices get released you've already got you know wet and dry mops like Roomba type stuff and other companies that make them um, fridges fridges um you know all of your all your appliances my washer and dryer are both smart appliances I don't use that functionality because it basically just sends you notifications say it's done (laughs) which if I could I think you actually can have it start on the thing but if I could get a washer and dryer that which I I think this does exist so I'm kind of just speaking about it but you can't buy them very accessibly. a washer and dryer that like automatically drops drops, yeah drops the wet laundry into the dryer and then it runs automatically but even if you could have some kind of robot that folded your laundry for you and and have all that stuff set up like the more that that stuff gets automated the more that you will truly have like kind of that futuristic Disney Channel Smart House or Oh, I have the, type the
1: IMDb page pulled up. Do you? Smart House. Directed by LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I knew that name stood out, but I couldn't remember why.
1: Yeah, that's wild. What happens, though, like in the movie where the computer right. soon begins to take over and everything is out of control?
0: Yeah. Touching on IoT. When I think of IoT, I think of it a different way than Smart Home. Which I they're obviously the same thing they're all part IOT is just the umbrella that these things are under
1: a little bit I feel like IOT kind of implies a level of internet connection too because you can have a smart home that exists only locally very true it has a firewall or even a, like a complete air gap no connection to the internet at all yeah you and can everything for sure. sort of runs
0: I have on here some some items mm-hmm. that uh, exist and they are. IoT devices, smart toasters. You've probably seen the smart toaster that everyone shows. It has the screen on the side, and you pick, you know, what doneness level you want on your toast and whatever. Obviously, smart fridges. We talk. We hit on that last week, actually. Um, but there's the the Samsung, which we actually have one of them, but we don't have a screen on ours. The, the bespoke lineup. They have a thirty-two-inch monitor built into one of their fridges, and you can do everything. You can watch videos on there. You can view mapping information on there. Like it's a full like.
1: It probably just runs Android.
0: I think it does because it's made by Samsung. Yeah. So
1: I have a list of. Uh, oh please, the hit worst me. Ones. Hit me. All right, uh, we got the smarter iKettle. kettle. Okay, just is,
0: a water boiling kettle.
1: Yeah. Yep. Needs a Wi-Fi connection. Sure. Uh, How much
0: does that cost? Does that have prices on there?
1: Uh, about one hundred and twenty.
0: Okay, it's not terrible. I mean, mean, uh, for a kettle, it's a lot. Uh,
1: We got our fridges. uh, Smart Iron. That's a new one. I don't entirely know what the... Oh, uh, the Smart Component uses an app to provide tutorials and real-time guides to improve your ironing technique. Okay. PetNet Smart Feeder.
0: Those are cool. I can see a practical application for that.
1: Smart Lunchbox.
0: Okay, that's not necessary. (laughs) Does the smart lunchbox only open at lunchtime? Like you can't snack. Yeah, you, it can't, snack. In yeah, you <laughs> can't binge your snacks. You, you, It only unlocks at lunchtime. That's preset by your employer. Correct. So you can't eat yeah, on the know, clock. No, you at
1: have all. to be on the, off the clock. Yeah, okay. Uh, we all remember the Juicero.
0: Oh, yes. Moist Critical made an awesome video about the Juicero.
1: Smart Toaster's on here, Smart Jump Rope.
0: Smart Febreze. Did you remember as a kid having sort of the semi-smart jump rope where it had like the the counter built into the handle and when you'd flip, it would count? Do you ever have one of those? I remember that so distinctly now that you say that. So this is like the next level of that. (laughs) We've reinvented the wheel. Smart cup. Oh, those smart thermoses, the mugs. I've seen those. Ember. That keep your drink warm.
1: Yeah, with an app. That's kind of cool. Why do we need an app? Just put a dial on the mug.
0: Yeah, I... yeah. I get, I get the not having that, but you can still use it without the app probably with just
1: presumably because
0: I think the lid has a dial on it. But, hmm. but
1: yeah, but yeah I don't, I, apps to me feel like how can we create a thing that will let us collect a little bit of data.
0: Speaking of that, my toothbrush has an app
1: my toothbrush actually also has an app
0: <laughs> okay you're giving me a judgy look over there with we have I know, the same I, deal
1: i forgot i forgot about
0: it i don't use it no i don't either but i did try it one time just to see yeah me too but my it's got does your toothbrush have the little glowing ring around yeah, the top yeah, yeah. of it or it's okay, probably the same one we probably have the same toothbrush yeah. that's awkward really embarrassing we home yeah, not throw that shit away uh, <laughs> but it's got you know it shows you like it senses where you're actually brushing and it shows you the little map but it's it's solely time-based yeah you know it's just like hey brush the bottom right for 30 seconds brush the top left for 30 seconds i don't, it, it I don't doesn't understand do
1: who anything. that's for who? someone with
0: really poor brushing habits yeah maybe? but
1: all, also that person okay they need to brush their teeth really bad but they also need to realize i don't brush my teeth very well mm-hmm. let me use this app to show me how to brush my teeth
0: if there was way more involved in it where it was actually saying hey this like it was somehow detecting like hey this part of your mouth has like way more bacteria or way more gunk that needs cleaned off, then a different side of your mouth, maybe focus more on the areas of your mouth that actually need more attention. That would be one thing, but it's not like that. It's solely just time-based in different parts of your mouth.
1: Now, what about this fully immersive toilet?
0: Immersive toilet. What is that? That sounds like you go into it. <laughs> <laughs> not fully that, submersive toilet. That is immersive. what it sounds like.
1: It okay. is a it is a toilet in which you fully immerse yourself. comes with built-in speakers, voice controls, and lights.
0: Does it have a... Bidet, yeah, bidet. It element. doesn't say. Okay,
1: I mean, for seven thousand oh. dollars, surely it would. Cheaper.
0: You're like, hey, toilet, spray my butt, <laughs> and it just <laughs> it starts launching, and then you say, hey, toilet, too cold, and it uh, turns, turns it, it up. It, yeah, turns it up. Yeah, and
1: then it scorches
0: you. Yeah, it just burns your cheeks.
1: My problem with it is like it feels like there are some good ways to use stuff like this, but they're just it's not enough. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet, and yeah. so we've sort of settled for the part of it, mm-hmm. the the worst aspects. Cause here's here's a trash can attachment that tells you it keeps track of everything you throw away. But to use it, you have to scan the barcode. And like the things that I would want out of a smart trash can have nothing to do with that. Yeah. They would like compact it and mm-hmm. they would rebag the trash. Yeah.
0: Well they have can. that. Have I'm you sure seen that that doubt. little rebagger one? It's cool.
1: I bet. I have not seen that. You have made things more complicated, not less complicated. And the appeal of a smart house is that d- there are now things that you don't, want. you can completely forget about. Exactly. And the second it's you It's a start,
0: convenience thing and you never have to think about it. Yeah. Again, and it.
1: so when your product is like, I am maybe going to eliminate a step, but in doing that, going to add four more steps.
0: I've watched a couple reviews on the smart toaster. When I started thinking about ideas for the, this show, that's what popped into my head because it's such like a, it's such a hilarious, like a toaster is like the most generic, like boring, like standard thing. I mean, that we've had toasters for a bazillion years now. Yep. We don't need a smart toaster, no. right? Is the
1: appeal that you can put your bread in before you go to sleep and then have it Kind
0: of the Michael Scott likes to wake up to the smell of warm bread kind of yeah. thing. Here's a, like a realistic personal situation where I could see having a smart toaster being cool. I have been gluten-free for two years now, I think. Congratulations. Thank you. I don't have celiac, so I'm not worried about cross-contamination, but any of you guys out there that are gluten-free, you'll know most gluten-free things that are worth their salt at all that are any good are frozen. Mm. So the bread that I eat sandwiches on is frozen bread. So my wife does not eat gluten-free bread. I eat gluten-free bread. So if I could put a piece of my frozen gluten-free bread and a piece of her non-frozen normal bread into a single toaster and have it toast my, you know, thaw my bread and toast and then just toast her bread in the same toaster at the same time. That would be cool. That would be a reason to have a smart toaster. And I know that's a very specific example to me. And it doesn't save that much time because you could just toast the normal. What I do now is I just toast her bread on three and I toast my bread on seven. You know yeah. what I mean? That's the only difference because I got to thaw my bread. If I'm going to have a smart toaster. Sure. If that's the option. And you days. must. and Yeah. And it's I need being, to have being... one. It needs to have something that sets it apart from a normal toaster. Right. Because as far as I know, maybe there's fancy toasters out there that do this, but as far as I know, toasters have the coils on the same side and they're the same temperature. You just put them in. I pose the question here, how do we make it IoT, smart home, more accessible and less daunting? And I think for a lot of people, the overcomplication of what are seemingly, not even seemingly, what are longstanding behaviors, right? Overcomplicating longstanding behaviors by adding somewhat unnecessary functionality to your basic household items.
1: Yeah, I mean that that is basically what it is.
0: It becomes daunting and I think it turns people off a lot to the idea and it makes it more difficult for people to get started.
1: Yeah. Well, especially with the amount of terminology that goes into things. I mean, we've talked just now about matter and to the layperson and somebody who hasn't touched any of this like if you're going to the store and shopping for, hey, I just want my outside light to be able to turn on at sunset. Like, what do I need to be able to do that? You're not going to invest the hours of research it potentially could take to be able to figure that out to like your point of satisfaction. Like some people are okay with going to the store and buying the first smart light they have and figuring it out. But I mean, to some extent, like you have a set of homeowners who might be interested in doing something like this but who are invested in knowing how their house works and aren't going to put in that effort to figure out, is this the right smart home thing?
0: I think a lot of these um, things that we're even talking about, like some of these um, IoT things that to us seem trivial, could be beneficial for people that are older, less mobile, less capable, and people that have disabilities. Definitely. I think that's a massive market for these even the simplistic things we don't think about: smart light switches, motion sensors, uh, presence sensors, fall detection. All these different types of things that are built into the some of these smart home devices. Which I didn't mention that, but fall detection is built into this um, the FP two sensor I was talking about earlier. So if someone falls, like an older, if an elderly, um, you know, family member and they fall, it'll automatically alert people. Um, all that different types of stuff that makes. Even the the mundane things more accessible or automatic yep. are super helpful for the older generation and those that are disabled. But the setup necessary to get all this stuff up and running, not only to to get it actually physically installed, but to connect it to the app, to log into whatever uh, you know you need a, an account for, and all this different types of stuff. Like, we got to find a way to make it more accessible yep. for you know older people and people that aren't techies, even not older people, just people that aren't in the same sphere. Like I have siblings that are very close to my age that I have to set everything up for them. And I don't think it's because they're dumb. I think it's just because it's overwhelming if you're not in the space all the time.
1: Yeah. I think until we have like a good, and I I almost want to say a good, like physical solution Mm -hmm. to where you can put down a smart device and you know plug in the red usb and you know that the red usb connects to this thing and it just takes care of itself yeah and does that setup
0: does the the calibrations and things Yeah necessary. anything it needs yeah. to
1: do to make sure that it can exist on the same network like until you have something that it's that easy to understand it's always going to be a step away for most people
0: yeah if we could get some of this like you said more simplified more ironed out more distilled down to its most basic parts and make it accessible. The benefits are massive. Like having somebody that is in a wheelchair who can have their curtains open automatically for them and have their, water would start boiling automatically and all this different, like all these different accessibility features that are already exist. But if we made them really simplified right. and easily accessible, I think it could just change the game for a lot of people. Yeah. All right. I got one question for you. Okay. This is our yeah. outro question. Of the oh, day. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. But first, uh, oh. if you all want to send us your podcast questions or topic ideas, you have three ways you can do so. You can email us at podcast at itsmets.tech. You can send us a DM on Instagram at Mets Talk podcast on Instagram or 3 you can now text us. So I will put the number on screen. You can text your questions or topic ideas and we'll cover them on the pod. But for you Colin Farmer, this is a fun one, right? This is when we get to just kind of dream. We get to think think big. Is there a smart home device that potentially doesn't exist? Maybe it does and I'll tell you if it does. Okay. That you Colin Farmer would like to have, that's kind of A of the question. Part B of the question is: Is there something, maybe in less of a kind of fantastical way, but something that could exist that would bring you, Colin Farmer, into the smart home sphere more effectively?
1: I think I need sort of a hologram. Okay, so we're really assistant. dreaming here. Yeah, yeah.
0: This kind of ties into our AI thing.
1: I need sort of a butler. Okay. Hologram.
0: So that this follows is me around but this is still smart home. Yes. So, is that what would get you into smart home, or is there something more realistic that would actually bring you, Colin Farmer, into the smart uh, home sphere a little more?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, I think I would want something that is both simpler to set up and like fewer moving parts of that process. So, something where I can just be like, "Hey, this connects to this, and and that's it. That's the done process." And I don't. Have but to did it
0: have it. a function specifically that you would want it to have?
1: As of right now, I, it doesn't really matter that much to okay. me. I mean, it, like sensing presence for lights and stuff like that is, is interesting, but it doesn't matter enough to me right now for, for that to be the thing. If it becomes a setup that is just as easy to build out and configure as like an electrical setup as on a house, mm-hmm. which is not to say that that's easy, but at sure. least it's like straightforward. Yeah, straightforward for sure. Then yes, if it, it were, if it were as ubiquitous as that and just every house had smart lights and the ability Mm. to, you know, connect your speaker to this presentation. I think you're thinking
0: of like connect four, basically.
1: Basically, yeah. I want to just be able to say You want a
0: prepackaged this goes to this system. This goes to this. You don't want to kind of piecemeal. I don't mind piecemealing
1: it as long as that process is simple and straightforward and intuitive.
0: Okay. For me, obviously I don't need something to get me into the smart home space. I'm already'm I'm fully say, here baby.
1: What are you dreaming about though?
0: Yeah, that's really tough because for me I really do like sensors. I'm a big sensor guy and I mean there's there's even sensors like pressure sensors that people I've seen this before that people put under their mattresses. So like when they sit down on the mattress and it presses down, they, oh, it turns the lights at, underneath the bed off and then yeah. when they get out of the bed and they lift this you know the sensor releases then it turns the lights on hmm. like there's so much like fine-tuned like you have a sensor for everything like yeah. i was saying earlier in the video so, so you
1: you want to you want to lego this together to have it do neat stuff
0: i'm just saying like i have a hard time thinking of anything because everything i've thought of it seems like it exists. basically already exists hmm and outside of like fantastical things like like having a hologram robot butler or whatever. Right. I feel like this is tying almost too much to what we talked about last week, but it's less AI related. This is more like actually applicable to smart home. If I had a an effective, efficient, affordable robot yard work Yeah. bot and th- th- these exist. Like you can get a lawnmower bot. Yeah, I've seen um, the lawnmowers. The lawnmower's cool, but it, it's so new that like it, you can't have like inclines above 15 degrees and like there's, there's all these qualifications. You have to have a really simplistic yard layout and you have to map everything and they're super expensive, short battery life, all the kind of, you know, early adopter taxes you have to pay with this type of new new tech. Yeah. But if I could have like a, almost like a weeder, uh, um, you know, a lawnmower, a weed puller and a, a water and a hedge trimmer like all this different type of stuff like built into some kind of yard work contraption that i could fully automate to like mow my lawn at this specific time and water my plants at this specific time and it could learn a system i think that would be that'd be like the one thing that i just don't have that that those are all things i have to manually do within my kind of smart home that feel antiquated yeah so that would be mine all right nice and simple there
1: i mean that definitely seems more doable than a hologram butler
0: just a little bit. Yeah. We actually have some of the things I was talking about. We, we All we have is hologram Tupac right now. Someday. All right, guys. Well, that was episode four of Mets Talk. We talked all things smart home, IoT, kind of the pros and cons of what is still kind of the early adoption of the smart home and uh, IoT. We talked about some of the silly stuff that exists out there. It was a good episode. It yeah. was fun want to talk about. So we'll be back next week. Again, anywhere you get your podcasts and here on YouTube in video format. We'll see you next week.